My name is Keith Neal. Mick and I go back quite a long way. I always thought he was going to be the next Max McLean. He, he would come and visit our church and I would always have him read scripture. And it didn't matter what I was having him read, the biggest words, the smallest. He just blew right through. He's a great orator and a good friend. But my charge, I thought Matt was going to take it. He, he said 2 Timothy or 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. And I'm going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1 through 5. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. Let me, let, me, let me read it in its entirety. Paul's writing. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant. In season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. And shall be turned to fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Amen. The call to pastoring in 1 Timothy chapter 3 is called a good work. Work good can mean a noble work, an honorable work, a virtuous work, but it's work. It's work. It's very important work. It's necessary work. It's the work that everybody's not called to do. It's a work that folks have tried to do and not been called to do. It's a work where as a pastor, talk called Mick the other day. I called him pastor. He said, "I got, I got to get used to that." You'll get used to it. You'll get used to it because you will be looked upon differently as a pastor. Your life, your life after today will be forever changed. You will be Pastor Mick at Aldi's. You'll be Pastor Mick at the Southern Park Mall. You will be Pastor Mick wherever you go. You will be Pastor Mick. I, I seen the Michael there. He's going to be Pastor Mick. Okay. <laughs> okay, Pastor Mick. Look at, look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Now, now interesting, interesting passage for me because it talks about how we are judged. We, we, we look at each other and as pastors, as clergy. Everywhere I go, I'm, I'm looked at as pastor. Okay, you can't get around it. Paul writing to Timothy, he says, Timothy... Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. Now he gives you four or five areas where you're going to be always looked at. In word, in conversation, in charity or in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity, you will be called on all those, every word you say, 
It has to be bathed in the sweetness of God's grace. Every time you get cut, and you will get cut. You will get cut doing ministry. And when you get cut, you need to bleed Bible. Let me say that again. When you get cut, you must bleed Bible. Meaning, you have to take it as Jesus took it. You have to take it as Jesus took it. One more, one more, one more verse on being an example because I think that's important. I think that's so important that we be an example to a, a fallen, dying world. Paul, writing to Titus, he says in 270, he says, all things, in all things, everything you do, showing thyself a pattern of good works. And it's like Paul's style. He's going to give you some examples. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness. I think Matt touched that real good. In doctrine, showing uncorrupted corruptness. When I, when I was ordained and had a pastor come in and he told me, he says, preach the word. Okay? He says, don't preach what you want it to say. Don't preach what you think it should say. Preach the word. Okay? I, I think the text goes, here's how you preach it. Be instant, in season, and out of season. When they want to hear it, they don't want to hear it. Some things are, some things aren't in season. In a crowd like this, I, I, I work in this area. White House Farms, maybe what, 10 minutes away? If I go to White House Farms right now and they say, and I say, I want some fresh strawberries. What are they going to say? Strawberries ain't in season. Okay? Well, the word of God is always in season. You know, if I go to White House Farm, you know what's in season? Y'all know. The blueberry donuts. <laughs> the blueberry donuts at White House Farms are always in season. Okay? They're always in season. And that's how the word has to be. The folks ain't going to always want to hear. When they come to Paradise Church, they need to know that they're going to hear the word of God. Okay? That's important. I believe that's important. Okay? So when Paul says, preach the word, that's, again, not a suggestion. He's not suggesting, you know, Timothy, you know, preach it sometimes. He says, no. Every Sunday... Every Wednesday and every time you come to this to this pulpit, the people ought to expect to hear the word. And the ones that the ones that might not want to hear. That's between them and God. That's between them and God. But he says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. And here's how to do it. I, I, I thought this was interesting Now. For me, working as a hospice chaplain, I work as a hospice chaplain, I work in community hospice in Columbiana, and, and I run into so many Christians that are dying, okay, that are dying, and, and they have no song in their heart. They have no love for the scriptures in their heart, and when I talk to them about heaven, they, well, hope. I get to go, or I'm, I'm, if I'm lucky, I, no, no, no. Okay, as a pastor, as a as a pastor, your job is to prepare these folks 
to go to heaven. And a congregation this size and and, and, and I'm looking at the dynamics of it. And you being a young man, you're going to probably bury, if you stay here 20 years, most of them. God forbid you bury some of them who sat under your ministry five, ten years and don't know for sure whether they're, they're going to heaven when they die. We'll look for you. We'll look to you for comfort. I thought that was interesting. When I, when, I, when I preached this morning at the church, I, I had this one ready, and I said, I'm going to preach to my church just what I want to say in mixed uh, installation. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I had to, I had to go back and, and do what I had planned on doing. But this verse, this verse here just hollered at me. It says, yea, Psalms 23, 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You're God's rod and staff. Your job as pastor is to redirect erroneous thoughts and teachings. Your job is to make sure these folks stay on the right path as a shepherd. You want to make sure that they're grazing good grass, that they're that they're being fed, that they're being strengthened, that they're being they're, they're getting stronger. I say to my congregation all the time, you have to be getting stronger. You can't you can't be a Christian and, and, and think and not be growing and getting more and more and more powerful. I see folks at the gym. I go to the gym. I see folks at the gym. And they put no weight on the machines. I'm like, you're not going to grow like that. You got to have some resistance. You got to put some weight on if you want to grow. And the job of of the pastor is to put some weight on folks. You want to make sure they're growing. Everybody's not going to be growing at the same, same pace. But we have a responsibility to feed them. And like Matt was saying, everybody have different appetites. But as pastor... Your job is to feed the church. Let me give you a scripture. I like to support some of the things I say with scripture. I talk to people. They say, all you know is that Bible. I don't, that's all I know. I don't know a whole lot more when I start talking about the things of God. But Paul, and this great, this great man of God, he's on his way to Rome to die. And, and he leaves this message to those who would take over in Acts 20, 28. He says, take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers. Watch this. Here's Paul giving a, giving a commandment to these elders. To feed the church of God. Okay? What should the appetite be? No, I, I don't believe this. This doesn't look like a church where folks are going to come and want to run around and be entertained. This doesn't look like an ear-tickling church. Okay? I believe, I believe folks that have been truly saved, born again, redeemed, have an appetite for the word of God. They should have an appetite for the word of God. They should expect it. Matter of fact, they should demand it. Okay? They should demand it. They be fed. You go to a restaurant. If you go to Olive Garden and you order up a, 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 a off the menu, whatever you order, you expect it to be good. You expect it to be good. Okay? The message ought to be good. You ought to, you ought to be able to feed the church. Feed them what? How I already said it. Scriptures. Feed them the scriptures. 
Feed them the scriptures. What's for lunch? The scriptures. What's for dinner? The scriptures. Just feed them the word of God. Look at the second point. We charge you before God to lead us both strongly and patiently. How about that? Strongly and patiently. Going through 2 Timothy said, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Some folks, some folks going to grow at different levels. OK, some folks going to grow at different levels. You see that when we, we at the rescue mission, we, we you know, that person, that person is, is going to take something different, some uh, different type of ministry effort to reach them. But this is your flock. This is your flock. And a good shepherd knows his flock. He knows his flock. And, and a good shepherd knows them, not only knows them, but knows them by name, knows what their tendencies is, what their likes and dislikes are. Just grow. Get strong. Pay attention to yourself. I, 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 this one here was interesting to me. Let me, let me read it. The third charge, you must be sober-minded about sins of the flesh. Don't get drunk on anything that would prevent you from loving your wife and children well, even if that intoxic- even if what intoxicates you is a fruitful ministry or approval of the church. Now, somebody said, wait, 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 make no hand on wife and no kids. That's a good question. He's got three years. So I said, Pastor, where, where are you getting that from? He's got three years to find a wife. Baby, we may give him four. <laughs> let, me, let me explain this. See, you are not going to find a pastor's wife mm-hmm. on most of your dating sites. There's not a pastorswife.com, okay? Now, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain. <laughs> I'm almost certain that there's some good wives in here, okay? But I'm almost certain of this. A lot of the wives in here would say, I, I'm not cut to be a pastor's wife. Is, am I, if I might... All the women in here can be pastor's wife. Is that what you guys are saying? <laughs> All right, I knew. I know Lori. I heard that voice. But here's the point. Here's the point. Here's my point. You know, the great, one of the greatest preachers of all time, you may have some arguments. I already heard Matt. He already, he's already Jonathan Edwards. Okay. Charles Spurgeon. Was 15 when he started preaching. This is why I'm going to give you the equation why Mick's got at least three years. We'll give him four. It'd be nice. Charles Spurgeon started preaching at 15. Okay. He started pastoring a church at 19. No wife. No wife. And he followed the footsteps of three of the greatest preachers of all time. John Gill, Geach. And Dr. Ribbon, the three of those preachers was at the Park Church for a combined 
150 years. Okay. This 19-year-old creature without a wife followed their footsteps. What am I saying? Get to the three years. John Charles Spurgeon, rather, he met a woman in the church. Her name was Savannah. Okay? Here's the important part. He baptized her. He baptized his wife. Why is that important? Why is that important? I've already said it. Okay? Okay? Having no wife may be better than having any kind of wife. Okay? God, give me a wife. Right there. Cindy. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Let me tell you, honestly, we've been together 40 years. Sometimes I say 45. You know, and I was cutting off, we rounded off to the... So really it's like 38 and we rounded off to 40. And we all know, we all know pastors, we all know pastors that have wives that, okay, I'll go no further than that. But a pastor's wife needs to be with the pastor. VBS, Awana, funerals, weddings, that ain't easy to find. And I said, Charles Spurgeon Baptized his wife. He baptized. Imagine being baptized by Charles Spurgeon. How about that? You know, you know. I mean, if I was me, you know, I, would be, I got baptized by Charles Spurgeon. I probably wouldn't be no good. Who baptized you, Charles Spurgeon? Whoa. What's my point? He baptized her, and he knew what he was getting, and he knew he found a gift from God. I think that's what the scripture said. He who finds a good wife receives a gift from the Lord. Mick says, enough of that, enough of that. Be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Okay, be serious about this. This is serious business. This is serious business. It's not, it's only, it's not serious for just for Mick, but it's serious for those that he be preaching to. This is serious business. Preaching is serious business. Honestly. All you got to do, think about it like this. And I pray for all the folks in Kentucky and, and Tennessee and Illinois and just got wiped out. Just got wiped out. What's the bigger problem? What's the bigger problem? Were they all saved? Did they all know the Lord? Did they all belong to a church where the gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen from the grave was being preached? What's the bigger issue? Because we all live in here. We don't know. Is, uh, I had somebody tell me if we knew how we was living here, we wouldn't take another step. If we knew how, if we knew what was in, ahead of us, we wouldn't take another step. But we all live in here. And as, and as a pastor, I, I always use John, John the, the Baptist, he said, to prepare a way for the people. God's, God's plan for Mick and any pastor worth his salt is to prepare his people. To prepare his people. To go to heaven. Okay. Seriously. It ain't to lay hands on people and, and heal them. Because you can get all the healings you want. Guess what? You're getting out of here. And you need to be ready. 
You need to be ready. And I believe you guys have been blessed. I believe you guys have been blessed. God has blessed his church with a man of God who's going to be stable and be firm and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? I think that's a wonderful thing. And it may not be popular, but it's necessary. It's necessary. Peter, Peter, right into folks that are going under serious persecution, folks that are in a lot of trouble. Imagine that. Imagine living in Peter's day and, and, and the people of God were being persecuted by Nero and being spurned at the stake and being tossed into the lion's den for not denying their faith. And here Peter comes along and, and tells these people to be sober. How about that? Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is as, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Then he adds this to the end of it. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Okay. You're going to take some blows and you may, you may suffer in this world, but your faith, your faith is worth everything. I say that, I say that, I say this, without faith. Some of you know the rest of that scripture. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God. I, I take that to mean without having faith. And faith to me is an action word. Faith grows. Your faith grows. Your faith grows. And you add to your faith. And, 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 and you add to your faith what? Virtue. And you add to your faith temperance. You add to your faith love. And you keep adding to your faith. You, you, you do that by hearing the word of God preached and hearing the word of God saying, hearing the word of God, watching the word of God live, being an example, watching how, how it looks. Okay. Jesus, when, when the four people, the four, the four friends brought their friend to Jesus, lowered him through the roof. Imagine that, you know, he, Jesus up there preaching, somebody's tearing a hole in the roof and they lower, they lower the man down and drop him at Jesus' feet. And you know the first thing Jesus said? He said, when he saw their faith, okay, saw their faith. I like to, I like to say preaching with desperation. I'd be, I'd be wrong to, to, to not say this because this is something that Mick and I talk about all the time. Preaching ain't for sissies and cowards and compromisers, Okay. Preaching, preaching and being a man of God in, in a fallen world is tough. Okay? Some, 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 you know, you don't even, some people don't even know what you did, know, know how that looks. I, was a, I worked as a prison guard for 31 years. I worked in the prison system. And in and, and the last 10, I worked as a chaplain. And the first 20, I was a sergeant. And then trying to live in that environment and being a man of God. It ain't, it ain't for cowards. Somebody said it ain't for compromisers. Paul, Paul writing, Paul writing to the Corinthians. I'm gonna, I'm gonna close. Remember, I'm Baptist now. Okay. <laughs> I used to, I used to preach at the prisons and the, and the inmates would, you know, they, they would, they would, they didn't have nowhere to go. I preach at the prison and now I'll be preaching two hours. And, and then they say, well, we got to go count. It's count time. We'll be back at the count. Yeah. 
So I don't know what Mick was, you know, I thought he was playing a joke. And he said, hey, I want to come in. Okay. I love Mick. Watch this. Here's Paul. Here's Paul talking about determination, the determination to be a man of God. You're just not going to be a man of God by accident. You're not going to be a woman of God just by accident. I mean, it's something that you have to be determined to be. Okay? Paul said, and, and, and I, brother, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, declaring unto you the testimony of God. When Paul came, he declared unto them the testimony of God. What is the testimony of God? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay? And, 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 and watch with the next verse. So if you ever feel like taking your foot off the gas, Mick, People hear me preach and I go to different places and they say, do you preach like that all the time? Yeah, all the time. It's, it's, I'm desperate about this. Okay. I don't have time to be t- telling, you know, you know, Aesop fables and stuff. He says this, Paul. And you have to say it too, Mick. Because you have people calling you all the time. Can you do this? Can you do that? And, you know, you might end up on the school board or running for mayor or running for commissioner. No, no, no. This is the highest calling. This is the highest calling. Anything, anything less than a pastor is a demotion. Okay? Anything, somebody offer you this and that, it's a demotion. You are, you have the highest calling God can give a man as pastor. Okay? I, I see these pastors and, and, and I don't see the determination. Okay? Get caught up in everything. Your job is to preach the word. Paul says, listen, a lot of a lot was going on in Paul's day. Paul said, but this, he said, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. That's it. That's that, that that's that's all that should go on in here. Okay? Now, we get together up in Air Bread. I'll tell you all my political views. You know, I can tell you, you know, that I'm not going to lose my Second Amendment rights or my First Amendment rights. And I can, I can give it to you. But when we come into the house of God, okay, you have to be determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. We sing a song in, in the church, and, and I love it. I serve a risen Savior. Anybody know that song? I serve a risen Savior. How about that? Think about that. Think about that. I serve a risen Savior. Paul, final charge. Ran out of paper. That's, 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 that's not good. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, one more time. I guess one more time. Mick's a good talker too. Okay. He's got a good, he's got a good voice. He talks real good. He's real smooth. Okay. I'm you know, I'm wondering why you don't have a wife. <laughs> I keep my wife away from him, and he's like talking. You know. He, you know, they had a song back in the day, he's a smooth operator. No. He's got a, he, he, he's, he's gifted, okay? He's gifted. But Paul, 
Paul says this to, 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 to Mick. He says, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Okay? It's so easy to get caught up in preaching a man-centered gospel. It's so easy to get caught up in preaching what people you think people want to hear. It's so easy to get caught up in, 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 in preaching a, a message that's inoffensive. And, and I dare to, to ask if, if anyone in here is who, who, who was saved, were you not saved by being confronted? Okay? Everybody that I know that's saved were confronted by the word of God. The word of God will call you out. The word of God will confront you. The word of God will get up in your face. I remember, again, my own testimony and, 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 and life was crazy, spinning out of control for me and, and my family. And I, and I just happened to go visit a, a, a friend of mine. I had a friend of mine whose father died. And I didn't know his father. I didn't know his father. Never met him, but he was a friend of mine. And I guess that's what you do. Your friend, your friend's father died, you go to the funeral. Even though you're a heathen, even though you're a lost sinner, even though you could care less about the church, and you sit way up in the balcony. Not no offense to you guys up there. I mean, you don't want to be near, I mean, you don't want to be near the front of the church. Okay? So I go to this man's funeral, don't know him. And that's the testimony of my friend because he never told me how, how wonderful his dad was. Maybe it was a setup. Maybe it was God's will because I walked into a hornet's nest. So I walk into the funeral of this man. And the pastor was doing his eulogy. And he told the whole church and everybody was there how wonderful this man was. How he was a deacon in the church, how he was the first one there, the last one to leave, how he loved his wife, how he loved the Lord, how he loved, how he loved serving the church. And then he then he said something that I'll never forget. And I've shared this many times. And I'm sitting way in the back and I'm listening to all this stuff. God's got my, my attention and I'm listening to this stuff. And, and the preacher preacher does like this he, and he does like this. He says, now, what kind of man are you? And it's like everybody in the church disappeared but me. And I knew what kind of man I was at that time. But after that man preached the gospel, my life never been the same. It's never been the same. And this is why Paul said we have to be determined to preach Christ and him crucified. It was just, our, world, our world we live in now, let me tell you something. You know, working in hospice, just, just in the calendar year, the calendar year of 2020 and 2021, our agency alone in Columbia County buried almost 400 people. 400. I was doing two funerals a day. And folks were leaving here. They were leaving here not knowing the Lord. Not, know, not knowing the Lord. That ought, to, that, ought to, that ought to charge all of us. Okay? You guys ought to, ought to be flocking in here to, to, hear, to hear mixed teaching so you can be empowered to go out into a lost world and share the Great Commission. I shared it this morning talking about Lydia. Lydia, Lydia was, a, 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 was, was, a, was a Jewish proselyte, didn't know Jesus Christ. But then she heard Paul. The Bible said she heard Paul. And God, y'all know the rest of this, right? God opened her heart. God opened her heart. And then what did she do next? The Bible says she constrained Paul. 
She said she got baptized, her whole family got baptized, and she told Paul to come to my house and teach me so I can be a missionary or an evangelist, so I can be better at communicating the gospel. That should be mixed charge to the church and our charge to him. He needs to teach it. We need to receive it. Then we can't just receive it and sit on it. Okay. Don't be like the guy at his job. Don't be like the guy at his job. Now, Baptist is coming out of me now, Mick. All right, Dave. All right, so, so the guy at his job, the guy at his job, he was a Christian. Oh, he was faithful. He went to church all the time. And, and, the, and the former came over and said, we're switching you to another department. We need you over there. So he went home and, and he, he was just complaining to his wife. He said, honey, they didn't switch me over to the department with all the drug dealers and the crackheads. And they got they watch look at porn all the time. What am I going to do? Once they find out I'm a Christian, they're going to they're going to persecute me. And, and she said, honey, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. So he come home the next day after his first day at that new new position. And his wife said, how'd your day go, honey? And he says, it went great. They never found out I was a Christian. That happens more than we think. Think about that. Think about that. Let's pray. Precious Lord, we we say thank you. First, thank you for the faith that you've given Brother Mick to believe. Secondly, we thank you for the power that you gave him as a son of God. And we thank you, Father God, for him desiring the office of a pastor, elder, bishop. We thank you, Father God, for this church who recognize his gifts and want to be taught and want to learn and want to grow and want to be better and want to be stronger. And we ask right now that you be with not only Mick, Pastor Mick, but you with this congregation. Keep them unified. Keep them hungry. Keep them desperate. And keep my brother determined. Amen.